the value propositions and, and looking at market trends is, is where we're going in, in with this in the future. So being able to have a tool that could respond and incorporate new market trends where last mile retail, for example, became extremely important to not just selling and buying of real estate, but to the world at large, being able to deliver goods um, efficiently. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. You just heard ExxonMobil's Joel Glaze, Global Real Estate Optimization Lead and Commercial Real Estate Tech Innovator, reference how a geographic approach helps ExxonMobil drive efficiency and uncover hidden value. Listen in as Esri's John Lenahan investigates how geospatial analysis adds value to the energy giant's decision-making on productivity, sustainability, and other critical issues. Hi, Joel, and welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks, John. So, Joel, you're the global real estate optimization lead for ExxonMobil, one of the world's largest oil and gas operators. But before we dive in, tell me a little bit about yourself. What excites you about the work you do? So I've spent my career working on land deals and, and working with uh, real estate transactions on the legal side and then joined ExxonMobil, worked with our upstream organization, uh, looking at natural resources and, and how we can convert those to energy. And now I have the privilege and, and kind of the distinct honor of looking at surface lands and really diving in to say, how can we best use those to be the best stewards that we can for the land that we have? Let's start by talking about ExxonMobil's global footprint to kind of get a sense of the diversity and scope of all the lands that a 150-year-old organization holds. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the portfolio and what it looks like? Sure. In, in one word, it's big. Uh, we, we own and lease thousands of properties in, in six continents, and that's, that's just properties that we own. Then we also operate and maintain equipment and manage projects on, on again, another thousand thousands actually of, of sites. And all this land that, that we, we kind of have a footprint on equals thousands and thousands of acres. And from a, from a data side, it's terabytes of data um, spread across hard drives in different countries. It lives in boxes at times where we need, to, we need to pull out these dusty documents. And some of them are even in different languages. So it's a, it's a real challenge, um, but it's a, a very exciting one because on the land that we operate, we have refineries, petrochemical refineries. We've got oil and gas and water wells. We have office buildings. We have state-of-the-art laboratories, pipelines. I mean, you name it. We um, operate infrastructure for both supporting our upstream, our product solutions and low-carbon solutions operations. And it's just really big. So that's that's talking about what we do with the land. The land itself is really diverse, too. It includes flat and mountainous terrains. It includes urban and rural lands, forested and arid lands. I mean, you name it, we've, we've got it. And so what excites me about this is when we look at this land, every single piece, every single parcel, it has a story to tell. There is a unique value proposition of why it came into our portfolio to begin with. And diving in, identifying that, and then saying, how can we use that today? I mean, that, that's just a, it's a dream job, honestly. Saying the challenge is big is probably an understatement. And you also mentioned something, Joel, you, you use the word story and, and each of these parcels or this land has a story to tell. And I'm sure we're going to get into that later and the role that mapping technology plays. I get a sense that a lot of large companies at some point begin to realize the, the amount of facilities 
and land they own has an, an enormous amount of unlocked potential. And unlocking that potential is not easy, as you kind of indicated. There's a lot of factors that go into play. It requires collection, analysis, and really taking a step back and reassessing what you want to do with that real estate as a, as a corporation. What are some of the motivating factors that you've seen in the market and also from an Exxon mobile perspective that are, are really driving this reassessment of, of property? I'd say kind of like I mentioned before, it's it's a convergence today of the technology and the data availability, but also when we look as as ExxonMobil specifically and 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 look to how we can create shareholder value and and maintain the operational levels that that we have, it, it's it's just it it converges today in a opportunity that we couldn't ignore. ExxonMobil has, has excelled at unlocking land value, and we wouldn't be who we are today without that skill set. So I'm a beneficiary of, of that work. And colleagues um, present and past have dug in and done a lot of the digitization, a lot of the, the land record centralization that set us up for where we are today, where we can say, let's aggregate this and then, uh, as you mentioned, that that geospatial technology and applications layered on top of this data, that's where you can really start driving insights. Were there some questions that came up, Joel, that you at ExxonMobil began to ask yourselves that really drove the need to do this further exploration? Well, at a, at a simple level, I, I work with within the Environmental and Property Solutions Group inside ExxonMobil. And so we started asking basically two questions that every portfolio manager or, or owner of lands asks himself, which is what surface lands do we own as ExxonMobil? And once we identify that we own it, who, who's actually the decision maker? Who's the steward for each parcel of land? And that sounds like a simple question because that's the basis for and foundation for how you build the analysis and value propositions. But with any large company, especially spread out across the globe, that can be incredibly challenging. So who owns the decision rights to decide whether this property is sold, whether this property is retained for complementary operations? That can be hard, right? With a, with a constantly yeah. changing workforce. So your team built a tool on top of, of some foundational technology to help answer some of those questions and help guide that process. What did this tool need to do to start generating revenue from, from Exxon's real estate holdings? Can you walk us through the technology, the data, and, and who's using it? Sure. So about three years ago, um, our organization formed a real estate optimization group. And, and our main priority and task was to identify lands they were owned by the different business lines and business line custodians and to, to highlight past and current use on that property and then benchmark the current value of that land against the future use and market values. So we set out to aggregate and uh, combine this data in a geospatial platform because it made sense. Maps bring people together naturally. So we're all used to throwing a, a big table map down and gathering around it. And so it just made sense to go with a geospatial platform. And, and we're glad we did because ultimately 
laying this out in a visualization that's easy to to understand and is a, a natural human way of of analyzing properties meant that we can drive to two main decisions. Are we going to divest this land because we no longer need it? Or are we going to optimize this land because ExxonMobil still needs it and we need to bring in complementary uses for that land? And that can be broken down in, in various ways, but realigning our portfolio to maximize value and creating a space for collaboration on how those discussions on the land data can help drive those operational imperatives that that's what we're we're about and supporting those those sustainability objectives and operational objectives just comes as as a natural progression of how we talk about land so you hit on the stakeholders you hit a, a little bit on kind of the purpose and, and the goals that ExxonMobil has looking at uh, your land holdings with respect to the users and in the stakeholders, what are the outputs and, and how are they incorporating that into their decision making? Sure. Well, it starts with a, a collaboration platform, which uh, we, we use as uh, maps. So the maps contain the data, the insights, and also the, the key level recommendations that our team is making to say, this is what our team is recommending that we consider as a use for this land. And, and from there, we build additional dashboards or visualizations. We have querying applications that let us dive deep into our portfolio and the portfolios across the globe to say, what can we do to separate the silos and break those down and bring the decision makers together? And really, it's when you're looking at real estate and the transaction and the real the value that you can bring to a real estate transaction, it's a balance. It's a balance between the value, the timing, bringing the right team together, and what I like to consider a certain degree of trust, because you have to build that trust between all the parties so that you can expeditiously move the deal along. And that's what we're all after is let's close the deal as quickly as possible in, in the best terms that meet everybody's needs. So. Geospatial technologies help us visualize that data, align the party's expectations. They also help us draw relationships between site histories and future use. And some of the tools that we're building are modeling value propositions that, that we're saying this property's future value can be modeled and predicted based on, on, on these geospatial models. And, and it, it really is helping. It's contributing to great conversations that help close deals. Can you give us an example of identifying and monetizing a stagnant or an underutilized piece of property that ExxonMobil had in your portfolio? Absolutely. We have, we have over 100 examples of, in the last year, properties that we have gone in to assess. And, and really, it, it falls into two different camps. It, it, it could be that one business line or one business unit no longer has the need to support their operations. And it's literally about bringing to light that property so that another team across ExxonMobil who might be looking for similar lands can find that we actually own the land and we can we can bring an additional use to it. It also can mean that from ExxonMobil's perspective, we're at the end of the life cycle and the value proposition that we have, and it's time to divest that property so that the, the next owner can come in and bring value to that community. And those conversations are, are really what we have first off. And the exciting part about having those conversations is 
it's not just transferring ownership, but it's it's bringing in divestment opportunities and oppor- and opportunities for others as well. So uh, we're using our tool to find solutions for transportation, workforce needs, riparian needs, as well as you know properties for others to acquire and develop all kind of exciting projects on. With that in mind, are there a few alternative uses for properties that you've helped identify that you could kind of share with the audience to kind of make it real or, or resonate? Sure. So um, from an operational standpoint, obviously, we're, we're looking at lay down yards or new construction. Um, core uses tied to the operations are always going to be our primary drivers. But we've, we've embarked in also uses tied to renewable power generation or sustainable forestry and timber management. Um, we've looked in the sustainability space, and we have a great team of experts at Exxon where our real estate optimization team can can make recommendations, but then their expertise and their their scientific research can validate those. And that's what I love about Exxon is we're a big company and we have experts or we know of experts for pretty much any of these opportunities that we're looking at. So temper management, carbon capture and storage, I mean, it's all part of kind of the way that now we discuss property use. One example that I can reference, uh, a property that ExxonMobil has had in our portfolio for um, close to a century. In analyzing a property like that, we always want to bring in past and and current use. And when it's determined that a property of that, something like that, it is no longer needed in our portfolio, that's where all the other use cases come in. So in this particular property, it was it was along a navigable waterway. And we were able to, through our modeling, show that there were some riparian rights that were being underutilized from the past 50 years. So reaching out to our our riparian rights team, we were able to to bring them into the conversation to say, how can we use ExxonMobil's land, but not on land, but in the water, to bring additional value for to help barges and to help just commerce and transportation. Looking at that and looking at our footprints around refineries, looking on our footprints around the different properties that we own is another great example that it's not just about land, right? It's also about water. It's about air. It's about everything in totality. And each one of those data sets by themselves don't speak to the value that they speak to when combined. Any company that introduces change, right, or a new workflow is going to have to deal with change management to some degree. And, and Exxon Mobil is no different than, than uh, all of us. Um, I assume you have a lot of users around the world who did this kind of work in different ways, maybe manually. How did you prepare the stakeholders for the process change that was coming and get buy-in and, and really help them come along on the journey? Well, change is never easy. So it's a, it's a multi-year kind of multi-prong change management program that we began. That said, uh, we focus on solutions that include multiple viewpoints and roles. I think that is critical. So the, the key in any querying tool that we develop, a geospatial querying tool or filtering, is to say, let's augment local expertise rather than replace it. Because we're not... Let me be clear, we're not at the point where you can push buttons and properties start falling into place in terms of exactly what projects can run. We still need people 
and their expertise to build on and, and, and validate those opportunities. And so I think leaving space for people is one of the best ways to have change management be, be a, a program that's adopted because yeah. you can't replace them. And that kind of speaks to something else we've talked about is people-focused design and making sure that you're able to factor in the people aspect into the, the success of the program or the success of the tool. Can you talk a little bit more about how you've accommodated for that? This is something that's uh, really important to me on a, on a personal level. I, I know that all of us that are in technology can get carried away by the tech and are excited to roll this out. But to me, it's very important that we keep in mind that at the end of the day, it's our users and it's people that are, are, are really the most important. So what we do is we ensure that, that ideas and concerns and the expertise of people always drive our tools. So we're not creating a tool just for the sake of, 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 a, of a good widget. We're creating a tool that can help people augment their expertise and, and be more efficient in what they do. So that, that involves giving early access to key stakeholders and ensuring that that they have a say in, in the tools that we're building. That also includes being willing to accept uh, hesitancy, right, for, for user adoption, saying you can't do this. And instead of just pushing forward, you pause and, and you let that process sink in before you move forward. And I, I think that's so critical that you have to intentionally create space because it's not easy. But it's important. It's actually the foundation at which we're building these tools. How has this tool improved the collaboration between people and teams? And, and what role does it play, you know, as you're sitting around a table? So in a, in a very practical way, you create this map and this visualization and, and you, you put it up on the screen and, and you just see the excitement. On top of that, when you start drawing insights of saying, you may not have seen that this data set and this data set fit together, for example, an ecological use with a market and saying, this is the market driver for this decision. But look at the ecological benefits and the other benefits that are included here. That, that's where you get people who are excited to be part of the conversation and also passionate right, about helping drive those deals. And again, it goes back down to creating a space where people are excited and feel like they can contribute and helping create those opportunities for people to be heard is key, whether you're talking about a buyer or whether you're talking about your legal representative that you need help with um, some legal interpretation and also your, your market brokers, right? Who have ex extreme expertise in, in a very localized level. So all of that collaboration talking about the past use and the future use is key to driving forward with the right decision. What's next and, and what lessons learned will you apply as you look at global rollout, um, bringing this to other markets? Um, what can you share you know, in terms of the roadmap? Sure. So um, we, we, we start, we began in the U.S. and um, we really wanted to understand all the different uses and the value propositions um, for the United States uh, markets. Um, but like you mentioned, this is a global tool and we are moving forward with analyzing properties across all of the, the world and all six continents that are part of ExxonMobil's portfolio. The value propositions and, and looking at market trends 
is is where we're going in, in with this in the future. So being able to overlay the the existing trends, I, th I think last year is a great example, right? Of of we didn't anticipate that a global pandemic would sweep through five years ago, right? No, nobody was planning for this. And being able to have a tool that could respond and incorporate new market trends where last mile retail, for example, became extremely important to not just selling and buying of real estate, but to the world at large, being able to deliver goods um, efficiently. And so that created an opportunity where when you have a tool, that can tweak and and learn that you can query against properties it's it's very easy to identify properties that today hold incredible value push those forward bring in the experts to validate it and action those quickly and and we've been able to do that multiple times at Exxon in the last 24 months and that's what's exciting is that this tool is yielding results. It's no longer in the lab. It's, it's now out out um, in a tool that Exxon is using. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, to the, the phrase time kills deals and probably nowhere more true than in real estate. Joel, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Joel Glaze for explaining how geospatial technology supports critical dimensions of ExxonMobil's business. If you like this episode, please share it with a colleague. For more information on how Esri's geospatial technologies drive operational efficiency and sustainable growth for organizations of all sizes across the private, public, and nonprofit sectors, visit esri.com forward slash industries.